I'm so glad that you could join me for Bridges today. I'm Monica Schmelter, and we're going to talk about Christian living. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced this, that people who are not even Christians all have an idea of what Christians are supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. And sometimes they just think we're all so hypocritical. And even though we explain we're not perfect We're forgiven. We're doing our best to follow Christ. And today we're going to talk about Christian living as defined by God's word, because God's word is the absolute truth. And today we're in Ephesians chapter six, and I'm going to read the first couple of verses there, and I'll read out of the English standard version. And it says there, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so all the parents said amen to that, right? (laughs) And then it goes on in verse two and says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So just in the first couple of scriptures, we touch on things that affect families and that affects communities everywhere. And that's the relationship between children and their parents and parents and their children. We have to understand that even long before God um, brought about the church, he created the family. He created people to live in a family unit and he had a dad and a mom and there were children. And so While so many people don't want rules and don't want guidelines, the real truth is we all need guidelines in order for life to flow smoothly. And as believers in Christ, we know that our ultimate truth, that our the absolute truth is found in God's word. And what he instructs for us is always with our best interest at heart. So as we look at these first couple of scriptures, we see that what God wants for children and parents is their best interest. And because God wants the family to go well, he talks about, you know, the apostle Paul pens here, children obey your parents. And then there's that qualifier in the Lord for this is right. And then he talks about honoring mom and dad. And he says, you know, this is the first commandment with a promise and that all will go well with you. So in other words, when we obey God's word, it brings blessing into our lives. So truth number one is godly discipline and godly honor. Both of those components are a part of Christian living. I've heard people say, oh, it's just me and Jesus. It's all about me and Jesus. That's good right? Our, our foundational and primary relationship is with Christ and then, then with our families. But it's not just me and Jesus or just you and Jesus. There are other people, there are other relationships we have in our lives. And because God wants everything to be done decently and in order, because God wants us to bear fruit in our lives, because he wants us to live productive lives and be examples and witnesses and living in his blessing, he speaks to the family unit and he speaks to children and he says, you, you obey your parents and that qualifier is in the Lord. 
And that has to be there, right? The qualifier has to be there because many times parents, their discipline or what they're talking about may not be in the Lord. So if a parent hopefully would never do this, but if a parent asks a child to do something wrong or to steal or to do X, Y, Z, and it's against God's word, then a child would be exempted from children obey your parents. So we have to understand that children obeying their parents in the Lord is right before God. And it brings blessing to the children's lives. It brings blessing to the parents' lives and ultimately brings blessings in our community because parents have raised children that are good citizens that want to make a happy and a positive uh, contribution to their community. You know, so many times parents will say, well, you know, all I want is my children to be happy. And of course, any good parent wants her or his children to be happy. But far beyond happiness is that we would want our children to be holy, that we would want our children to serve the Lord. And as out of that relationship with the Lord, that then they would be obedient to their parents. And so God gives this instruction, but then he also speaks to the parents. He speaks to the dad and he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. We want to bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord because we've all met parents that are such hard taskmasters that expect way too much of their kids and are just on them all the time. That does not bring up a child in the most healthy, positive, and productive way. So God says to the kids, look, you need to listen to your parents. And he says to the dads, he says to parents, be careful. Treat your children well. He's saying, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't be so hard on them that they can just never live up and that they just end up mad. So there's this twofold instruction there, and it's about godly discipline and godly honor. To the other extreme, while he says that children are to honor their parents and that honoring your parents, that this comes with a promise, Honoring our parents would never include breaking any of God's laws or doing anything wrong. And so we understand that discipline, godly discipline, is rooted in God's word and is for the best interest of the child and the family unit. And honoring our parents is 
with love and with care. It's never about honoring a situation that's not healthy or that's toxic or that's abusive. We have to understand that is never God's will. I'll give you this example when I talk about godly honor. So we're to honor our parents. I believe even after we're grown up, even as we are um, someone's adult children, we're to honor the role that our parents serve in our lives. I have a friend who her life, she's fully committed to Christ now, but early in her, earlier in her life, she took several wrong turns. She ended up in jail. She was in rehab a few times. And so she gives her life to Christ. She gets married and she and her husband have a wonderful relationship and they have two really beautiful children. And so when my friend would take her children to the grandparents for a visit to be honoring to the parents, to build a strong extended family unit, which is so biblical and is so right. It's so good for children to have loving Christian parents and loving Christian grandparents. It's good to have that, those extended relationships. But when my friend would go to her mom and dad's house, the parents would frequently mention my friend's former missteps. Like, you know, your mom used to do drugs and she stole and she ended up in jail. And so my friend doesn't want her kids to hear that. It's not that she wants to lie and pretend that that never happened. It just doesn't need to be brought up on an ongoing basis. I mean, we can talk about missteps that we've taken and how the Lord saved us and redeemed our lives. But this was being done in a really negative and unproductive way, in such a way that it would taint her children's view of her. So does honor mean that you keep taking your kids over there so that your parents can badmouth your you know, badmouth you to your children? No. That's a situation where we honor our parents, but we have to have that discussion of boundaries. Like, I want to bring my children here. I want them to love their grandparents and for you to take them on outings and go to the cider mill and the zoo. I want all of that, but I'm not willing to allow you to talk about my past in such a negative and demeaning way. And the good news is they eventually worked it out. It, it took a little bit, but I'm saying that because we live in a fallen world and sometimes we can take these biblical truths and concepts and apply them in ways that God never intended. Yes, God wants children to obey their parents. Yes, children need discipline and instruction from their dads. They don't need it that it's so hard on them that they become angry and get exasperated. And yes, we're to honor our parents and even our adult parents and aging parents. All of that has to be done within the confines and the context of scripture. So as we talk about Christian living today, it's not just about following a rule book, but it is about cultivating a relationship with Christ and applying his word to our lives and living out those truths. So godly discipline, godly discipline and godly honor are to be the part of every Christian believer's life. And our communities would be so much better off if parents would discipline their children in a way that brings correction and instruction and honor to God. Letting your kids do anything and everything is not healthy for your children, and it's not going to be healthy for your communities as they grow up. 
It's to everyone's benefit that we would raise godly children who have clear instructions, clear consequences when the instructions aren't kept, and a path to remediate, and that we honor the people in our lives who invest in us and sacrifice for us like our parents. This is a part of Christian living, being disrespectful, being insolent, um, raising your voice to your parents or parents raising their voices to their children. You all, these are not behaviors that are meant to be part of a Christian home. And so Paul outlines this in the book of Ephesians. And then he goes on, and the first few chapters of Ephesians are very profound. They're deep theological truths. And as Paul works his way into this letter to the church of Ephesus, he begins to talk about more practical behaviors, kind of the the, uh, the way to behave and what's acceptable and what's not. So then in Ephesians 6 and verse 5, it says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. There's a lot right there. Truth number two for today in Christian living is a good work ethic is God's idea. Work is God's idea. Work came about before the fall. Work is a part of our lives. It's meant to be productive, to give structure. And so Paul, as he talks here, and as he's talking about Christian living, he begins to outline these relationships and talk about what is good and what is pleasing to the Lord. So he says, he talks about this obedience to your masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. He talks about working as unto the Lord, not just as a man pleaser, like not just when the boss is watching, but doing our jobs, doing our work as unto the Lord, because literally God sees everything. So I've heard people use the scripture somewhat out of context by saying, well, you know, I I really, I don't work for X, Y, Z. I work for God. That's true. We all do our work as unto God, but God also wants us to show respect for the people that we work for on earth. We're not to be going, well, you know, I really don't work for you. I'm really working for God. That might not be a conversation that's productive in the workplace. That's something that we understand as believers that God is going to reward all of us according to what we do. He sees everything that the boss can't see. But part of this work ethic that's being addressed here is don't just work really hard when your boss is watching, but work all the time because that's what you're being paid to do. So have a good work ethic. And he talks to the bosses here too, that the terminology used is master. And he's saying to leaders and to masters, to bosses, look, be careful here too. 
Don't threaten. Don't lord it over the people that work for you because God is over all. And that's not the way that he wants people to be treated. So one of the things that we understand in terms of our Christian living is that how we treat other people is extremely important. It is a reflection of our faith. It is a reflection of the level of obedience that we are walking in in our relationship with the Lord. The Bible is clear. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So work is a part of the believer's life. And he outlines what kind of workers we are to be. And he says, you give it your all as you're working unto God, because ultimately we are working on, unto God. Ultimately, we will all be rewarded by God for whatever we do or don't do. And even the things that our earthly bosses may miss, like maybe there's a great contribution that we made and we get skipped over. Maybe we should have gotten a promotion, but we didn't. There could be X number of things that happen here on earth that can derail us, that can disappoint us, that can cause us to have uh, problems, to get resentful. But understand if it's in the Bible, which it is in Ephesians 6, then it's important to God. So it needs to be important to us. And he outlines for us that he wants us to work and a good work ethic is God's idea. Now, we live in a time right now where they are saying basically that there's lots more jobs than there are people willing to work. That said, there may be lots of different reasons for that. I don't know all of that. I know that uh, this past weekend, my husband and I took uh, just a, a short getaway trip for the weekend, and we stopped um, on the way, and we stopped at this fast food place, and we were going to pick up some food. And when we pulled into the parking uh, lot, they had like some picnic tables out and some garbage receptacles out. And there were three or four garbage receptacles. And every single one of those garbage receptacles was packed over to the top of the garbage. And there was garbage on the ground. I couldn't imagine that anybody want to eat at the picnic table with the garbage everywhere. We went into the fast food place, and we walked up to the counter, and the manager, or who I think is the manager, said very kindly to us, she said, darling, we're so shorthanded, we can't take your order. You can use the kiosk, or you can go through the drive-through. So I said to my husband, we'll just go through the drive-through. So we went through the drive-through, and they didn't, they were completely out of the several different items that we tried to order, and Again, the person that I think was the manager was just saying, I'm so sorry, we're so short on help. We're not getting the deliveries like we should. This is just really a hard time. And, you know, I said to my husband, you know, it used to be, right, you could expect good service from places that you went to. Now you just get whatever you get. And we just need to be thankful that anybody's showing up to work because so many people don't work and it's, they feel like it's easier not to work than to work. And I think that that's really sad, but it's really a time for believers in Christ to step up in our faith and to demonstrate a good work ethic, 
a good work ethic speaks volumes about our faith. You might think, but Monica, I don't do, like I'm not working in ministry. I'm just doing data entry. I'm doing this. You all, everything that we do speaks of our faith. It speaks of our attention to detail, of giving the best that we can. Of course, we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes on the job. There's going to be a day we might not have the best day, but the best thing we can do about that is apologize and move on. But a good work ethic provides for our families. It is a witness and a testimony of our faith. It's a way to feed our families, to help our children grow up and be healthy and serve the Lord. Work is a part of this life. And God clearly outlines that as as employees, as workers, as business owners, that there are roles to play, that Christian living touches all of these different levels. There, I can remember a couple of years ago when we moved into a new construction uh, townhome and we had problems with some of the paint and the cabinets were peeling. And so we had to call the builder. And so when the, when the gentleman that they sent came to the house, it was clear to me he didn't want to work. Once he saw that, he's like, oh, are you on bridges? Did he just want to talk about the Bible? And it's like, I love to talk about the Bible all day long, but I really want you to fix the damaged paint and do the things you're supposed to do for your job. Like you're working for your employer. You're not supposed to be talking the Bible with me, but basically his idea and his attitude was, well, I can just do anything because you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Guys, we have to do our work. And I would have been happy to speak to him about the Bible after he was done fixing uh, the paint on the cabinets. And unfortunately, the paint on the cabinets never got fixed. Uh, So it is just still what it is. But so many times if you talk to people, they'll say, oh, I almost don't want to call a Christian-owned company because they don't do a good job. You guys, that screams volumes about everything we don't want it to scream. We are to work as unto the Lord and we can trust God that even if our bosses don't get it or they miss it, that God sees everything and that he is pleased when we give our best and we give our best effort. So work is a part of Christian living. And then in the book of Ephesians, we go into the whole armor of God. And I'm sure that if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard these passages of scripture, but it starts there in Ephesians 6:10. finally, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heaven, in the heavenly places Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So you see again in Christian living that we have a part to play, that there are actions, there are instructions that we are given about living, about how to be prepared, and we're told to put on the full armor of God. So that, that's a verb. That means that's something that we have to do. We don't, just because we're saved, we're not in the full armor of God. We have to put it on. And it tells us why. Because 
the battle that we're facing in our country, in this world, is not flesh and blood, though people are trying to make it to be flesh and blood, but it's rulers, powers, and authorities. And so we're told that because all of that evil is happening, that we need to put on the full armor of God, and that includes, uh, and and uh, will include all of these scriptures on monicashmelter.com and the online extras. I'll put some additional items about all of the armor of God, because we can't cover all of that today. But it talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes, talks about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and praying at all times. And it talks about that as we are covered in the full armor of God, that we will be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, to stand. So you see these action, you see these verbs that we as believers put on the armor of God so that we can live as a Christian person, bring honor to God. So truth number three is always be ready. You all, we don't always have a way to know in advance when an attack is coming our way. But what we're told is to put on that breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, to have the belt of truth, that our lives are saturated with biblical truth, that shield of faith so that when those darts of the enemy be that comments that come our way, rejection, discrimination, those verbal assaults, hold up that shield of faith and those shoes on our feet that that wherever we go, we are taking the gospel of peace with us. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And remember that God's word is living. It's active, able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit and praying at all times, wherever you are, even right now. You know, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching on broadcast, that we're praying in the spirit at all times, there are all kinds of things going on in the spiritual realm that we are not always able to see with our physical eyes, but we sense them with our spirit. And so our take on that or our preparedness for that is truth number three, always be ready. There are so many times that I faced a crisis or something's come up and it's like I got caught off guard again. And yet we're told to always be ready, to be completely covered in the full armor of God so that whatever comes our way, after having to stand, to continue to stand, don't give up ground to the enemy. Understand that we have an enemy. He's the prince and the power of the air. And he is not all powerful, but he is consistent. He is relentless. He's scanning us to see where our places of weakness are. And if when we are clothed in the full armor of God, he can't touch us. So in this Christian living that we've talked about today, we have to have godly discipline and godly honor inside of our lives. We have to have a good work ethic. Work is God's idea. Our work is a form of worship. And then truth number three, always be ready. We never know when that attack is coming. So as believers, we are to be donned in the full armor of God. And so today's truth is Christian living requires 
obeying God's word, whatever the cost. So the more that we see darkness around us, the more that we stand after having done all to stand. We obey and we keep on obeying, knowing that God is giving us the victory in all things. I'm out of time today. I've got to go, but I say goodbye and God bless you. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.